Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for an episode of ASHP's Practice Journeys, Career Pearls for Students. In this podcast series, you will hear from pharmacists who work in various pharmacy practice settings to learn more about what a day in the life is like. You'll dive into careers you may have an interest in, but never took the time to learn about, or you may even find out about a practice area you never knew existed. My name is Ella Domingo, a fourth year student at Purdue University College of Pharmacy and the chair of the ASHP Pharmacy Student Forum. Today, I will be chatting with Dr. Sandeep Ivabakthuni. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. Okay, Sandeep, can you go ahead and tell me a little bit about yourself and your current position? I'd love to hear more about that. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, so I am originally from West Virginia and uh, did my, um, went to University of Pittsburgh and did my training there. I first started off with a um, degree in bioengineering and then stayed on for pharmacy school afterwards for four years. And then I was fortunate to get a my PGY-1 pharmacy residency training at University of Maryland Medical Center. At that time, I was really torn between cardiology and critical care because I enjoyed both um, fields very well uh, much. And so I decided to do both. Fortunately, the director um, of the program at University of Pittsburgh, Ashley, was a director for both cardiology and for critical care. And she was she was more than willing to let me do a split residency and those things. So I went back to University of Pittsburgh um, Medical Center and did a split residency in cardiology and critical care. And then this opportunity came up at University of Maryland, its faculty position. And so I've been back and forth. And then I decided to go back to University of Maryland because I loved my PGY-1 training there. When I first started, I started off doing four months out of the year in the cardiac care unit, the CCU, and then the other four months out of the year in the, the medical ICU. And then the rest of my time was spent towards teaching and other administrative tasks and research. Then... My job's evolved over the years. So I'm just going to fast forward to what I do now. I Back in 2016, I was offered the role of director of postgraduate training and was really excited because I love working with residency and fellowship programs. And so basically what that meant was it was an administrative role where I got to oversee all of our residency and fellowship programs. And that, of course, made it very hard for me to keep my current, the practice commitment that I had. It was too hard to do eight months out of the year. So I decided to go into outpatient um, ambulatory care practice um, with some inpatient practice to make it a little bit more manageable to do my directorship. So what I do now is I do two days a week in the outpatient heart transplant clinic and help manage with the immunosuppression and other medication issues. And then I um, also help to cover the inpatient advanced heart failure service um, with whenever the um, pharmacist needs a, a vacation or needs a break from the service. Thank you, Sandeep. And we were talking a little bit before the podcast, and I was telling him that those areas are also my interests. I love cardiology. I love critical care, and I have an interest in academia. So I'm really, really excited for today's conversation. And you covered a very rich, uh, well-rounded sort of training. Could you tell us more about 
what the typical training requirements would be for an inpatient cardiology physician. It sounds like you bring a lot of that that breadth of experience into your practice. Great question. Yeah, so um, uh, there's a bit. It's a bit structured with pretty much all like um, clinical pharmacy specialist jobs. It's kind of a similar kind of the um, first the initial step, which is getting your residency training. Obviously, there's a little bit of different ways of doing it. Thinking about fellowship, if there's a clinical component to it, but. I, I decided to do my go through the PGY one program because I was more interested in clinical rather than research at the time. So the first step is getting your um, your training, which I decided to go through by doing a residency rather than a fellowship. So that was definitely the biggest first step after obviously getting my doctor of pharmacy degree, which is the most important thing, becoming a pharmacist and getting licensed. But I did my PGY-1 training. And then if you want to be specialized in a specific field, such as oncology or transplant, it's really recommended to do a second year of training in order to have the skill set that you need in order to be able to provide optimal care for patients. So... But that's why I did a PGY-2 in cardiology and critical care, because I was really interested in practicing both um, settings. And so that's the second step. The third step after you do that is getting board certification. A lot of employers are becoming to require of having a board certification because they want to make sure that you are knowledgeable and are prepared to take the best care of for the patients. And that's ultimately what this is about, making sure we're... Um, helping the patient with their medication and not causing medication errors as we're doing it and everything. So that's the intent with the Dewey de certification. So back then when I was going through, I'm showing my age a little bit, but I um, there was no um, board certification in cardiology. And so I did a general one with pharmacotherapy. So it was a board certified in pharmacotherapy, also known as BCPS. And then the um, a couple, a few years ago, I would say about three years ago, um, there was finally a certification available for cardiology. And so I decided to go ahead and get that because that's more what I'm interested in anyway, and to show my value for what I'm doing for practice right now. So currently I have both, but I probably will drop my board certification in pharmacotherapy and just focus on the cardiology one for the future. Absolutely. And all of that training, like you said, will be worthwhile in terms of providing only the top-level patient care to all of those that you see. And I know you covered it in your introduction and your, your background, but could you dive a little bit more into the different spaces you were in for practice? You covered your inpatient cardiology. You also have experience in critical care. And now you said you transitioned into more of an outpatient setting. So feel free to tackle that background however you want, but um, could you give us a little bit more insight into each of your practice spaces? Sure, yeah. So this was a complicated question, so I'll try to do my best. I think the easiest way to explain is one of the, one of the things I love about academia is the flexibility. Um, you're able to grow in your own role, and you can also change um, your practice if your interests change and so on. So I'm very fortunate to have worked at University of Maryland and that they were willing to work with me and kind of make sure that I was able to do that. So I can't say enough of how much the flexibility that academia gives you. Because if I was working as a clinical pharmacy specialist, I probably would have to 
get rehired in order to be able to work in a different setting and that sort of thing in order to be able to do that. So it's so nice that I can still stay within the same institution because I've developed such great relationships here too as well. But yes, let's kind of go in chronological order. So the very first year that I was there, I was spending most of my time either in the cardiac intensive care unit or in the medical intensive care unit, or also known as the MICU. So starting with the cardiac intensive care unit, I spend more time just doing what I would do, um, rounding with the, a team of physicians as well as the attending. And then there would also be a social worker that was super helpful in helping us making sure we manage all of our patient needs after they get discharged from um, the hospital. So um, on that service, and this is actually true for both the, the MICU and for the cardiac intensive care unit, my day-to-day kind of thing was that I would pre-round on the patient, make sure I get to know them, and then develop my recommendation then round with the team and bring up my recommendation and answer any information that they need about the patients. And then I would learn more about each of like the patient in the afternoon. I would go and do patient counseling or do um, a medication reconciliation and making sure that we're putting them on the right medications while they're in the hospital and so on. And so basically um, this service was like more of a general cardiology service and so what they focused more on were patients who had acute coronary syndrome or heart, a, what a fan, it's a fancy word for a heart attack. Then there's also a patient with heart failure, also a patient with atrial fibrillation and a hodgepodge of other things like endocarditis and so on and pericarditis. And so there was a lot of great cool things that you get to see on that service. I really enjoyed working on that service because you get to see like a a variety of different um, patients with different types of cardiovascular diseases. And so that was my first thing that that was the patient population that I kind of worked with. And then in the medical ICU, my day-to-day kind of thing was basically the same. Um, but when it comes to like the patient population, obviously very different than what I had in the cardiac intensive care unit. In the MICU, it was actually mostly pulmonary problems out there. So patients were coming in with respiratory distress, pneumonia, or sepsis was like the bread and butter of what I was doing there. But what was unique about mine, because it's in an academic medical center, we actually had a lot of patients who had a liver transplant who came in with medical complications and so on. And so I got to learn about like how to do manage like immunosuppression and learn about the transplant side of things, which was really nice because I didn't get a lot of that during my training and so on. So I really enjoyed that opportunity to get to learn that more and everything. But yep, those are like the main things for those two areas. And then... I would say about like around 2015, I decided to go to, to one service at that point. Instead of doing a, both the cardiac intensive care unit and the medical ICU, it was just getting to be too much having two separate practices and also managing my academic uh, responsibilities. So I decided to go over to the other cardiology service that we have that's the inpatient side called the Advanced Heart Failure Service. So the advanced heart failure service is predominantly only focused on those with end-stage heart failure. Those are people who were not responding to the medic- their guideline-directed medical therapy, and they were starting to have exa- a heart failure exacerbations, and now we had to consider whether or not they need to be evaluated for tr- heart transplant. 
a ventricular assist device, which is just a fancy word for a mechanical um, device that you put as a heart pump. And then the third option is putting them on a um, a home inotrope. So it's a pharmacological agent like dobutamine or meronone. Um, so those are some of the options. This service also saw um, pulmonary arterial hypertension patients and other like unique rare disease dates that you would see with this one here. So I really enjoyed working on the service and I also got to manage heart transplant patients and really enjoyed that population as well as well as patients who had ventricular assist device too and everything. So it was a very more specialized population, but it was a lot more challenging. And I loved that I the, the team really depended on me to kind of help with like the medication recommendations and so on. And then, as I mentioned, in 2016, I became the director of the postgraduate training. I was so excited to help with like the residency and fellowship programs. After that, I um, was uh, um, trying. I was starting to struggle about a couple of years ago. It was just getting to be too much trying to also to navigate all the residency and fellowship stuff, but also be on service for six months out of the year and the advanced heart failure service. And so at that point, I was like, which one am I more interested in right now? And I was really passionate about our residency and fellowship training. And even though I love the patient care, and so I realized that if I have to give something up, it would be like the, the patient care part of it on the inpatient side. And so I was like, I could still do patient care and outpatient side, but it would give me a better work-life balance and still be able to do all the things I need to do for the residency and fellowship program. So that's why I made the switch to go with the outpatient ambulatory care clinic and the heart transplant clinic. And I'm glad I got that experience on that service and learned how to manage those patients from the inpatient side. And so what I do in the outpatient transplant clinic is I only predominantly see heart transplant patients and I help to manage, the, I, I see the patients myself, do a medication review, um, and then also do like a patient interview, like to ask questions about, oh, how's your blood pressure been? So I can assess your, um, your um, the efficacy of the antihypertensives and same thing with like the cholesterol management and diabetes management and so on. So it was really cool that I got to do my own patient interviews and then go present to the nurse practitioner that I work with and bring my own recommendations for that too. So I really enjoyed that challenge too as well. So I know that was a bit of a long answer, but that's kind of like a, a little bit complicated there. So hopefully that all made sense. No, that was great. I think you broke it up really nicely chronologically. And I think the theme was that there's a lot of flexibility in the, in terms of you start out in your first phase of your career. And then I think you just remain open to everything and you pivot into whatever you most align with. And you sort of explained that in having to really select what am I most passionate about at this moment. And I think that's, I think that's a, you know, a little light for us for us learners who are still selecting what we want to go into and we feel pigeonholed into a certain area, I think it's it's a nice reminder that we can always pivot at any stage of our career. And at the very end, you talked about your responsibilities with learners um, and trainees and also your, your clinical practice. So um, I'm really curious about how you divide up your Monday through Friday or uh, your your weekly schedule. So what does that look like if we walk through a week with you with your your various responsibilities and practice sites? Yeah, so this is also a complicated question, but it's a great question. So this is going to look different for every practitioner you talk to, I feel like, whether it's in a clinical um, setting or in the academic setting with this one. But like you said, 
I have um, different priorities compared to those who might be working in the clinical specialist position, but not all of those are important, right? But unfortunately, there's also competing priorities to gotta do. So when you think about like in that perspective, it kind of helps you to figure out like what your week is gonna look like and everything. So now that I'm in the outpatient heart transplant clinic, most weeks are, I usually do two days a week in the clinic on two days of one day. So, so that I try to dedicate those to only doing patient care. But unfortunately, it doesn't always work out that way because, of course, the curriculum is a design to, around my schedule and everything with this one when it comes to the pharmacy curriculum here. So unfortunately, a lot of my cardiology teaching happens to happen on Tuesday mornings. And of course, that's when I'm supposed to be in clinic. So there are days where there are weeks where I will unfortunately have to make it work and overlap with what I'm doing in patient care. I wish I could try to divide it and only focus on patient care, but sometimes I also have to do what I was hired to do, which was to teach um, the, in the curriculum with this one. So what I've done in those situations is where I will review the patient beforehand in the morning and then provide my recommendation either through email or trying to call the provider and talk over with them before they see the patient. So that way, at least I feel like I'm at least providing some level of support for my providers as they're preparing to interview the patient and do their care and so on. And then I'll go um, and tell them, please obviously reach out to me if you have any questions or anything, just text me or something. And then I will go off and do my teaching and then try to catch up with them afterwards. If they're still patient, I'll just go back to run back to the clinic and do that part of it there. So that's usually what I do if there's an overlap of something happening and I have competing priorities. And my providers are so understanding and they're super appreciative of me trying to at least at least look at patients beforehand. So it's worked out really well. Um, that's what they don't teach you in pharmacy school that you're going to be doing with a lot of competing priorities, unfortunately. So that's those are those two days. The other days, I try about like 20% of my time is dedicated to the residency and fellowship director position. And so it's not always on one day. It's usually throughout the week. At least um, eight hours is spent towards trying to work on my administrative responsibilities, whether it's helping with the orientation activities. So I spent a lot of time in the spring preparing for our next round of residents and fellows that start in July 1st. And then I um, also have to help with the interview. I coordinate all the interviews for our um, 18 programs that we have here at University of Maryland and so on. So this is a busy time for me as we kind of gear up for the interview season in February. So that is kind of like a, so what I, I, I always dedicate at least eight hours per um, week, whether it's half days or the full day, just depends on my, the rest of my other responsibilities. And then I try to incorporate like my teaching responsibilities as well and everything. Sometimes it works out. Like, for example, I'm doing this ambulatory care elective right now, and I really enjoyed it in the fall because um, we really need it because students are required to do an ambulatory care elective during their um, fourth year. So they really were struggling with it. So we decided to do that. And I was able to put, schedule that on Thursdays from 11 to 1. So it doesn't compete with my patient re responsibilities and so on. So that worked out really well for me. 
And then obviously, I also have to do research because that's also an expectation in academia. So I try to spend at least four hours per week thinking about research stuff and everything. So as well, and then you have to also think about your commitments to like your profession, like the service part of it, both to the school when you work on school committees and stuff like that. And also like what I'm trying to do, getting involved in ASHP or like uh, that's where I've been really spending most of my time since I'm really interested in residency and fellowship development as well and everything. And so I try to, I, you just balance all that, like I just kind of figure out the time um, that you have open in your week and then you just in, insert those things in there. But yeah, my key point of advice is figure out what your priorities are that you have, all the buckets that you're doing, and then try to make sure you have those blocked out throughout the week and everything. So like I have set time to work on director stuff and everything, but then I have set time to work on research and stuff. I'm not distracted by everything else or something like that. So that's that's helped me a lot. I know people work, their productivity might be different, but that's worked a lot for me. Absolutely. And thank you for taking us through that because it seems like that's a unique challenge presented in your specific role, competing priorities and managing your time really well. But like you said, you have to block out that specific time, really just focus in on that time. And that's what's dedicated to that specific responsibility. And I sort of wanted to transition into the other side of the question. What's the most rewarding part of your job? So either a really memorable experience that you had with a colleague or a learner, or just overall? Could you speak a little bit to that? That was kind of hard because I've had a lot of um, memorable moments so far with this one, but I think I'll go with the one that was first that came to my mind with everything. I um, have received the Teacher of the Year Award from the class a couple of times back in 2018 and 2020. And no matter what other kind of awards I get, I think that's always going to be the most meaningful for me to get those part of it, because this is what we're ultimately here to do, to help our next, um, the next generation of pharmacists and making sure that they're prepared well with the right skill set in order to move on to do great things out there after they graduate, whether it's in clinical pharmacy, community pharmacy, the retail setting or anything really, or even an industry and so on. So I just, that was so meaningful for me to know that I they appreciated me for all the work that I had put into it and all that stuff. And I will never forget that. I, I'm, I'm, no matter what other kind of awards I've gotten, those are the ones that were probably the most important to, important to me because that means that I have had an impact on my students. And it's just like, it, it was like the, the most amazing thing. In general, if I, if he had asked me this question up to about a few years ago before I took on this directorship, I would have said patient care for sure. Um, like patient care was the most rewarding thing. I just really enjoyed it. And I still do, don't get me wrong. I would never give up patient care, but I just learned over the years, I really enjoy mentoring residents, students, and so on, and trying to help them get to where they want to be and seeing the joy on their face when they match with the program or get the job they want, it just makes me so happy and everything. And so I just really enjoyed it. That, that's been so rewarding for me, helping those people get what they want after they finish their training and so on. But patient care is still up there for me. It's, I, I, it's hard to choose between the two when it comes to what's most rewarding. Absolutely. And I think you you hit the nail on the head. It's very irreplaceable. The feeling that you have when you have a learner, a student, a resident 
reach one of their goals and they're able to do that for the rest of their career. And I always think about my timeline as well and the mentors that I've had. I would not be in this position. So it's, I think it's exciting that you are that figure in somebody else's uh, pharmacy career as well. And also patient care. Patient care is the reason we, you know, first maybe step into the, the pharmacy world. But it's, I think it's very rewarding that you have that duality in, in who you impact, both your patients and learners who will then impact some more patients in the future. And then I think we have time for one more question. What advice do you have for a pharmacy student who may be interested in the job like yours? It's a great question and a good one to end on. I think that the first thing that comes to mind is going based on my own journey, kind of going back to that theme that we talked about, about keeping your mind open. For honestly, you may think that you know what you want to do. Um, and I know that probably a lot of you who are listening are struggling with figuring out what area you want to practice in. And I'm not saying just even clinical pharmacy. I'm talking about like just figuring out, because there's so many options right now in pharmacy, right? And honestly, that's exciting. But it's also scary because you're like, you have to commit to something by the time you graduate. And that's a scary decision to make. So I just want to make it clear to you, it's not the end all be all. Um, if you decide on one thing that you're passionate about right now, and you're worried that you may not be that passionate 10 years from now and everything, don't think like that. I You can only do with what of information you have right now, right? You can't point, you'll you have a magic eight ball that will help you figure out what you want to do. I don't think you should stress about that if that's what you're stressing about um, um, when you're listening to that. But I think what you should think of it as a, what are you passionate about right now? And what can what can I do to be able to achieve that? It's okay if you're not sure. I mean, a lot of people go into their PGY-1 residency and don't know what they want to do after that. They don't know they want to do a PGY-2 training, if at all, even, with this one. So it doesn't, you don't have to. You don't have to have everything laid out and figured out with everything here. If you're really torn, then don't commit yourself to one thing um, if you're not sure. It may be better to do like a general training first and then see where you go from there. It's not the end. You can always go back and do things if you realize that you actually enjoyed something. I think the last thing you want to do is commit to something that you don't think you'll enjoy after a year or two. That's the key thing. Don't do that because of other people. Please don't compare yourself to others. You have different priorities yourself that you need to think about. And that should be the first thing is what do you want to do and what will make you happy? And that's the important part that you want to remember. Don't worry about comparing yourself to others. Other people might want to focus on their time on family. And so they're looking for a career that will have a, a good work-life balance. So that's why you shouldn't compare yourself to that. You have your own priorities, your own family obligation, and so on. You have to decide what you want to do. And if you want to focus on family rather than your career, that is totally fine. It's your decision what you want to do. Um, yeah, so the... The options are endless, unfortunately. There's so many different um, ways you can go about it. So that was one thing I just want to say. Just keep an open mind and don't feel like you're locked into it if you decide on something after you graduate. The other thing I was going to say, as you saw my journey, I my passion did evolve and I never thought it would. I thought I would always truly want to be in critical care and cardiology, but I just really started to realize I loved working with residency and fellowship stuff. And I'm so happy I went with the directorship. I don't regret that and taking a step back from the critical care um, world with everything. But 
I just wanted to say, like, my job's evolved over the years. Yours can too, even maybe not as quickly as mine did, but it might evolve over the next 40 years. You don't have to stay in one job just because you think that you've done all this training for it. There is still opportunities in pharmacy for you to change jobs if you think your change, your, um, passion change. So always try to do what makes you happy. And I think that's what I like to end on is make sure that you do what you're happy with. Absolutely. Could not have said it any better. Just know that your passions will evolve and just remain true to what makes you the happiest. Thank you so much, Sandeep. So that's all the time we have today. And again, I want to thank Dr. Sandeep Devabakthuni for joining us today and sharing their story. Join us here at ASHP Official and the Practice Journey's Career Pearls for Student podcast series as we continue to explore different careers and practice settings. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP.